Christmas, what to do around Christmas, like eating, and then uh, watching Hallmark movies and eating some more or eating during the Hallmark movies. Now, you know, I shared that last week about how I lose my wife at a certain time. Like, it used to be between Thanksgiving, but now Hallmark shows the Christmas ones before Thanksgiving. So I lost her before Thanksgiving this year. I know where she is, but, you know. But anyways, here's why I don't watch them, because I did go down, and she was watching one, and so I watched part of one. And you cry during those movies. Grown man crying. I know. It's funny because when we watch movies and our kids like to pick out movies, they know we're going to cry at. And then they sit there and they wonder how long is it going to take to cry and who's going to cry first, mom or dad? And mom always loses because dad always does first. And it's like, so anyways, so we know, oh, you can turn with me to John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one. So we know about Christmas, we know what to do between Thanksgiving and Christmas, but what do we do with Christmas? Um, And John at the very beginning was letting us know that Jesus is Lord of this world, and at Christmas we should share Jesus as Lord to this world. And that was point one from last week, I'll give it to you again, but in John chapter one, verse one, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And that was our main point for the first one, the the Scriptures for the first point. But verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that awesome? And then we looked at, uh, you don't have to turn there because you know it, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then we also looked at Colossians 1.15-16, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And so we learned that Jesus is what God looks like when you put skin on him. And so John is letting us know, he's making the point as we went through last week, that Jesus is Lord. And everybody is going to have to answer this question, who is Jesus and what am I going to do about it? And if we answer the question wrong, nothing else matters. That's why it's important that we understand who Jesus is and share him with the world as the Lord. All right, so point one is I should share Jesus as the Lord of this world. Point two, I should show Jesus as the life, L-I-F-E, life of this world. And our main text out of that is John 1, 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. John was so strong in trying to get us to see exactly who Jesus is. He is the giver of life, and only in Jesus do we find life. Not only the physical life, because we read that he he created everything, and everything was created through him and for him. So he's the giver of life, but also of eternal life. 
He's the only provider of eternal life. Let me read Colossians 1.16 again. For by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. There is nothing that has been created that Jesus didn't have his hand in. When we see the physical world, we know that there's a God. Okay, The spiritual world came through Jesus Christ. Every person that you know came because God wanted them. Nobody is here by accident. And I don't mean just here. I'm talking about there is no human being that came here by accident that missed God, that slipped through God. So God wanted us. He has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And that reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 139. And I'm trusting it's one of yours now too. Psalm 139. But I would love to read the whole thing, but we'll just start in verse 13. And he says, For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Now look, we can try and run from this truth. We can try and deny this truth. We can... um, Try and just ignore it and act like it's not true, that it doesn't exist. But the bottom line is, what we just read is true. And every person is going to have to realize that and figure out, what are you going to do about it? Because we aren't here by accident. We didn't slip in. We are here because God made us. In the scriptures, there's two words for life. The first one is bios. And we know what we get from that. Biology, physical life. And uh, it's life that we can see and know. And eventually it comes to an end, right? But then there's zoe, which means life. And that's the highest form of life, that's spiritual life. I keep getting a feedback or something. Are y'all hearing it? Okay. All right. So as Jesus comes and he is the life. What? Um, Hang on a minute. I got to get some. John 1, 4 again. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And so who needs life? Dead people. All y'all. Right? We were all born with a physical life. But as we're born with a physical life, we are not born with a spiritual life that is alive to God. And at the moment that A child comes into the world and that mother gets to hold that child. And everybody is excited about that child. 
that child comes in physically alive, but spiritually dead. And we have to understand that. And that's the way it is for each and every one of us that comes into this world except Jesus. And when we think about this, if we don't give our life to Jesus, and you can give your life to Jesus and this can happen to you, but it's not God's plan. If we don't give our life to Jesus when we come into this world and we don't give our life to Jesus, then all we're doing is existing in the, in the natural. We're just taking up space and sucking up air. Okay? Everybody exists, but not everybody lives. We all know people who get up, they eat breakfast, they read the paper, they go to work, they eat lunch, they go back to work, they come home, they eat dinner, they read the paper some more. They watch the news. They go to bed. And they do this day after day after day. And they think that they're living, but all they are is existing. Because one day, they're going to come home and they're going to be gone. They're not going to live forever in the natural. And we all have to come to that understanding that one day, we're all going to die. If all you're doing is repeating the same thing, and there's not the Spirit of God that is living inside of us and directing us and helping us and speaking to us and giving us life, then we're just existing. In John 10.10, 10, we're familiar with this. This is when Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, think about this for a moment, though. When Jesus was speaking these words, he was speaking to people who were alive, right? Physically, they were alive, but spiritually, they were dead. And so he's letting them know, hey, I understand that you're alive, but you're not living. You're just existing. Basically, he's saying, I know that you're breathing, I know that you're eating, and I know you do all kinds of other things, but you don't have life. And the life Jesus is speaking of is a spiritual life that is alive in us, that is working through our physical bodies because we are connected to God in the Holy Spirit and where we are not just going through the motions until 50 years later, we die. Someone once said that there are three things that make life worth living. A self fit to live with, a faith fit to live by, and a purpose fit to live for. Now, that sounds great, but the reality, the reality is only Jesus can give you all three of those things. <laughs> this Only Jesus can make you the best person to live with. Only Jesus can make you and give you the right faith to live by. And only Jesus can give us an eternal purpose to live for. Outside of Him, you don't have it. And 
not only is John here speaking of spiritual truth as he's trying to get us to see who Jesus is, but he's also speaking of natural life as well and scientific truth. He went on to say that life, the life, Jesus, was the light of man. We looked at Genesis 1.1 and it said, in the beginning. Do we know what the very first words that God spoke were out of Genesis? What was it, Debbie? Let there be light. Those are the first words that Jesus spoke. Isn't that amazing? John, when he starts this off and he tells us in the beginning, because he wants us to remember Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning, and realize, and, and that's Genesis 1-3, let there be light, and there was light. So why does God begin there? He could have started anywhere. And the reality is in physical life, with very few exceptions, life requires light. Photosynthesis. If you know about your biology from your high school days or maybe your college days, and I'm not getting into it, so don't get excited. But photosynthesis means put together with light because it's the light from the sun that does all the work and changes everything. And it's from that photosynthesis that we get a lot of stuff that we need to be able to live Oxygen being one of them, which is a byproduct of photosynthesis. So we need the light of the sun, S-U-N, not just to stay warm, but to live because of what the light from the sun does. And then again, in John 1.4, in him was life. And, you know, God is so good, but John is so good here because in him was life. And the life was the light of men. If light is required for life, then John is letting us know that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of life. And in John 8.12, it says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. It's exactly what John was saying. So what's true physically is also true spiritually. If we are born again, then there's a moment in our lives when we were living in darkness and we saw a light. We saw the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we realized who we were and how we were, what our condition was living without Jesus, living without this light. But then when we said yes to Jesus, immediately we move from darkness to light. From death to life. Immediately. Now there may not have been a change in us physically, but there was spiritually, and that's the one that counts. Amen? 
we were, before we met Christ, we were living, we were existing, but now we are truly living. I remember, I think it's um, uh, Billy Graham wanted to let them know that on that day, don't, on his funeral, don't say that he's dead because he's living the best life he's ever lived. The life of God is in us when we receive Jesus Christ. We receive the Spirit of God. They come in to stay. And when we come to Jesus for the first time, then things begin to change in the spiritual realm because then we begin to see God like we've never seen Him before. We get to hear God like we've never heard Him before. We get to know the heart of God like we have never known it before. We could know all about Him. We could hear things about Him. We could see things that He did. But then when we're born again, everything changes. What we see is different. What we hear is different. Our hearts are different. Isn't that amazing that we have the opportunity to now know God personally, individually, forever? Because of Jesus. We move from the temporal to the eternal. We move from the physical to the spiritual. We move from the natural to the supernatural. Because of His life in us. And that's why we should share Jesus as Lord of this world to this world. And we should show Jesus as the life of the world. And then the third point is, we should shine Jesus as the light of the world. We talked about a lot of this last week, but Jesus is not just God's word of revelation. He's not just God's word of creation. He's God's word of salvation. And verses 4 and 5 give us this. John 1, 4 and 5. In Him was life, which we've read, and the life was the light of men. And here's verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. Isn't that awesome? Now, I think that's great, but I love the last part of this verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that awesome? Light has one function. There's only one thing that light is supposed to do. Shine. And when it shines, what's it do? Overcomes the darkness. Eliminates darkness. And so then we have to ask ourselves, what is darkness? Darkness is nothing but the absence of light. Tonight when you go home, you're not going to go into a room and turn on darkness. What you're going to do is you're going to go home and you're going to turn on light. And the light's going to dispel the darkness. And Jesus is the light that no one can put out. Isn't that awesome? There are many who have tried from the very beginning. To overcome the light. But it can't happen. 
There are many who have tried. There are many who are still trying and will always try for a while. But it is futile. We can never extinguish the light of Jesus Christ. From the beginning, darkness has tried to overcome Jesus, but it can't. And one of the things that seems to be happening in our world today is there are a lot of people who are concerned with how much darkness is being revealed, how much stuff is going on, and how dark it's getting out there. And I want you to know, it's not new to God. It's not new to Him. It's not new. It may be new to us, but it's not new to the world. The world has always been trying to overcome the darkness, and it can't. And the more it can't, the madder it gets. <gasps> Since the beginning of Satan's rebellion, darkness has tried to overcome the light, and it cannot. There is a battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And this battle has been going on for a long time. But we are the winners in this. Because we are the light. Darkness cannot overcome the light. It never will. And if you are discouraged about the darkness of our world and what you're seeing, then there's one thing that you can do to help with that. And that is let your light shine. If there's more darkness, then that means we're not shining. Colossians chapter 1, and remember the song too. Colossians 1.11 says, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Now, sometimes we like to read beyond this. But this is why he's saying we need this. For all endurance and patience with joy. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, I don't particularly like the fact that he has to throw in joy because, you know, for all endurance and patience, that would be enough for me. But he says that we have to let this happen in us. We have to let the process work in us. And while we're developing endurance and patience, we're supposed to do it with joy. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. That's how you can become joyful. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Not in darkness, in light. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Remember when I was talking about. Immediately, as soon as we receive Jesus Christ, we place our faith in Him and His sacrifice, then immediately everything changes in our life. It says here that we are transferred. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His Son. And that's the light. Isn't that awesome? 
First Peter. Chapter 2 says this, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. Now, before I... Is it up? Alright. This is you. He's talking about us. He's talking about us who have given our life to Jesus. He says, but you are a chosen race. Have you ever thought of that? That means there's no other race like you. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A people for His own possession. We're His. He's got a reason for that. And then He says, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You know, if you are depressed and if you are discouraged, then you just haven't been reading your Bible. Or you're not believing your Bible if you're reading it. Because this is who we are. But you, it's worth reading again. Verse 9. But you are a chosen race. You should have this on your mirror in the morning or on your refrigerator. And when you, or on your TV. So that when you're watching the news and you get discouraged, you can say, oh, wait a minute. But I'm a chosen race. A royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. A people for His own possession. That we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who had called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't that awesome how God is? How? And, you know, we celebrate Christmas and we talk about all the things, but we have to understand what we're supposed to do with Christmas. This is a time that the world knows, that the world celebrates. Some of it is messed up in how they celebrate. That's fine. But let's shine our lights. Let's give them the truth about the real story of Christmas. Because we don't always understand how God works. Amen? Get, it's not in here. This is free today. In Hebrews 11.1 1, it says, By faith we understand. Okay? That God created the, hev- the world. The heavens. I don't understand how He did it. I don't understand how He holds it all together. And I don't need to. But what my responsibility is, is to have faith in Him. Is to trust Him. And we don't always understand how God works. But there's one thing that we can understand, is we can trust God. And in this in particular, I want you to understand, we don't know how God works in all of this either, because God is not going to judge just the world for the sins that they've committed. The world is not going to heaven because they were an adulterer or a murderer or a thief or a liar or you were a homosexual or any other sin that we want to describe. He's not judging us based on that. 
God does not judge the, this world based on sins they've committed. God's going to judge this world by the light they have rejected. That's the bottom line of Christmas. God's going to judge us based on did we follow the light? Did we give ourselves to the light? That's why it's our job to show Jesus as the Lord of this world. To share Jesus as the life of this world. And to shine Jesus as the light of this world. And when we do that, and when we understand that we are sent to do that, and we answer that call, then we will know what to do with Christmas. Amen. Stand with me. Father, we're so thankful for the love that you have for us. And we thank you for this Christmas season that as much as the world would like to change it and corrupt it. It can never overcome the light of Jesus, the light of Christmas, the light of the Christmas story of your love for us in sending us Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Father, I'm so thankful for this Christmas story and, and the truth that John was trying to get us to see. And Father, I pray that we would be a people who show Jesus as the Lord of this world, who share Jesus as the life of this world, who shine Jesus as the light of this world. Help us to be that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. All right, again, have a wonderful, blessed, Merry Christmas.